0: Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, just like we're providing you this podcast for the best analysis for each Eagles game every week. And that's why manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 and 18 months guys is about how long it took Howie Roseman to kind of assemble this team to what we have now. And you know what we're dealing with? Uh, are Manscaped's third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And, I mean, if Manscaped could offer some of that advanced skin-safe technology to patch up the Eagles' offensive line, that would be fantastic. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so one-and-a-half football games, so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, and one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor, which is the equivalent to how fast Jalen Rager runs on the field every single week, with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple power source of USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours, get 20% off, and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, I said get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code USP. Let's get into another edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one, looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut, but if I want a game player uh, for the long run, what do I bring
1: to the table Except dumb luck, there's a good chance the last thing I pick up will show up in my sleep and
0: crash all my dreams, with some shit I won't repeat, cause it's not what I'm proud of, some heaviness, some pettiness, and things I'm ashamed of. Alright, the Eagles finally won a game somehow, and uh... They take on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the cross-state rivalry this week and who better to have on Eagles enemies than the guy who got this mini podcast series on the network started all from a little preseason breakdown in 2018. My good friend Wesley Euler from Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN Radio Pittsburgh joins me now to break down this matchup. Welcome back to the show, man. So pumped to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kyle. I appreciate it. And, you know, I just I had a funny little flashback two
1: years ago, uh, right when I came on the podcast with you, was kind of right when I had moved back to Pittsburgh and, and was starting this this new job with iHeartRadio in my hometown. And, and wow, remember preseason games? I mean, that seems what like so long
0: ago, but what a time. <laughs> I mean, it really wasn't that long ago that that was a normal thing to do. Pepperidge Farms remembers the preseason. <laughs> uh... I love to remember. <laughs> The, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they have been off to a, a pretty strange start to the 2020 season. Obviously, they get impacted by the Tennessee Titans' uh, plethora of doorknob licking and contracting of COVID-19. <laughs> um, so they get the early bye week. It seemed to have pissed Ben Roethlisberger off quite a bit. There were quotes out and about saying that, you know, finding out that the, the game wasn't happening on a Friday really threw them off. And now only having kind of a three-day bye week. Uh, kind of sucks early in the season. But from what you've been able to see from this this Steelers team through three games this year, how are you feeling about how they've been playing?
1: I think so far, so good, certainly. Um, and, and yeah, and, and Ben was none too pleased. And I think Vance McDonald and Cam Hayward, you know, had some some similar things to say about the game last week. I, I understand why they're frustrated. Obviously it's something that's, you know, out of your hands, out of your control that ends up affecting you moving around your bye week uh, kind of and eh, throwing off the rhythm of your practice week, if you will, your kind of practice rhythm there. Um, but I also think at the same time, it's never really going to be fair to anybody. Like there's going to come a time where uh, throughout all this COVID stuff, it's going to affect your team in some way. Fortunately for the Steelers, it wasn't an outbreak. You know, I, I feel like it, it could have been much worse and, and that's why I do like Mike Tomlin in this regard. Um, every coach in the NFL, right? I mean, even Bill Belichick, who we kind of all uh, prop up as, as being the the all-knowing great one. Every coach in the NFL has things that drive you crazy sometimes. But I think with Mike Tomlin, he's he's kind of the right guy to navigate this for the Steelers. I think he's got command of that locker room. Um, but yeah, Ben, ben none too, please. But then again, Kyle, he for being like the tough big ben quarterback you know who gets sacked all the time and and never misses any time really except for last year with the elbow thing He between me and you he can be a little bit of a diva sometimes all right Absolutely. don't tell anybody i said don't tell anybody i said that people, all right people um, are saying people
0: are <laughs> people saying are,
1: yeah exactly <laughs> i've but you know i i heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend um but no but uh, to stick with ben i think one of the positive encouragements through the the first 3 games before the unexpected bye week uh, some of those concerns about his elbow I think have have gone away he's looked sharp uh, and while it, it hasn't been perfect um, I think early in the season coming back from that injury particularly some of the concerns about elbow strength uh, having three different tendons in his arm worked on uh, man I tell you what when he threw that past 58 air yards on a dime the chase Claypool uh, a lot of people weren't asking about his elbow strength uh, anymore. Uh, so that's been a positive early on on the defense as well, too. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt. I mean, those guys just wreak absolute havoc. Um, so those have been kind of, you know, some of the spark notes of the good to start the season. If you want to look at some of the, the glass half empty, still leaving some to be desired, I think the secondary um, hasn't quite been as locked down and, and had as many splash plays as they did last year. Obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick comes to Pittsburgh, seven turnovers forced in his first seven games. Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson were fantastic last year. And, and not that those guys have been bad this year. I just think maybe they, they they were so strong a year ago that they set the bar so high that maybe you know Steelers fans and Steelers media have asked, eh, you know, the, the splash plays and maybe some of the shutdown nature of last year hasn't quite been there. Uh, but again, still early on for those guys, certainly. And, and then maybe on the offensive side of the football, the offensive line hasn't been a disaster. But <laughs> like you, I know we'll get no sympathy from this from the Philly crowd. A uh, lot of moving parts on that offensive line early in the season. David DeCastro uh, missed some time. Stefan Wisniewski, you know, who's a, a former Eagle, uh, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Eagles and in the, in the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, you know, Pittsburgh guy was all excited to be back with the Steelers. He got hurt in the first game of the year, uh, peck injury against the giants on monday night football so he's been out so there's there's been some shuffling there on the offensive line um but again w- when you're 3-0 and i think all those you know you're nitpicking about your bye week you're nitpicking about some of these issues uh, i think to be 3-0 and for the first time in a decade they're, they're happy where they're at right now
0: what has been the deal with james connor's kind of up and down career in pittsburgh you know week one gets injured and you know not sure if he's gonna be the guy moving forward. Right, right. Benny Snell takes over. He's like, uh, you know, he's the guy now. And then James Conner comes back, and in the next two games, rushes for over a hundred yards in both games. Uh, what's kind of the the situation with James Conner in your opinion, and how does he kind of keep a firm grasp on that on that job as the RB one?
1: Yeah, you're right. It's
0: been an it's been an early roller coaster. And obviously, I
1: think, you know, with the the crazy offseason and the lack of sports and the lack of OTAs and minicamp. Right. And everybody just that works in the football business, whether it's, you know, radio and podcasting like we do, if you're a TV person, if, you, if you're a writer and you're trying to fill column inches, whatever. There was a lot of discussion, almost at nauseum, Kyle, in Pittsburgh, about two guys, Juju and James Conner, right? And they're entering contract years and they've had a lot of good in their careers, but there's also been some, some unavailability due to injury. There's also been some question marks there. Uh, after week one, you're right. James Conner leaves with an injury. Benny Snell comes in and runs for over a hundred yards. There was a lot of talk that, okay, you know, you got to make Snell the bell cow. Now, you know, people in Pittsburgh were joking. It, it, we got the Snell cow, right? <laughs> that was the, that was the joke there in, in town for the next couple weeks. Uh, but then James Conner comes back out, and in week two and week three, back to back 100 yard performances for him. Uh, for the GM Kevin Colbert, uh, for Mike Tomlin, obviously the head coach, they James Conner's always been their guy. Kyle, and as long as he's healthy, he will be the guy that gets the most amount of carries, gets the lion's share of the load, if you will. But I do think what we saw in week three against the Texans was the start of the Steelers kind of figuring out their running back recipe and for so long i mean mike tomlin has always had he's always had that bell cow in pittsburgh mm-hmm. right um from from willie parker to Richard mendenhall to lev bell to to, to when james Conner first burst onto the scene and was a pro bowler you know in his first year mike tomlin is a run the wheels off the running back type guy he is not a running back by committee type guy but i think they're starting to find a, an even balance with that this year where maybe it's 65, 70% James Conner, and then the other 30, 35% is Benny Snell and the rookie running back out of Maryland, Anthony McFarland, who looked really good against the Texans as well. James Conner gets 16, 17, 18 carries, right? Snell gets four or five carries. Maybe McFarlane gets two, three, four carries, something like that. I think that is the recipe. Then James Conner is still technically your feature back, but at the same time, you're preserving him. You're keeping him fresher by not giving him as many carries. And Benny Snell's a talented running back. Anthony McFarland's a talented running back. And they're different styles, too. I guess Snell's a little bit more similar to James Conner, or to James Conner, pardon me, whereas Anthony McFarland's more of a pace, a quicker back. Like, I think they've got some nice options there. You know, you can do some short yardage stuff with Snell. You've got to change the pace option with McFarland. While, again, James Conner still gets 70-ish percent of the carries. It feels like that's the recipe that the Steelers have started to figure out here. And, and that's I think that's the best for James Conner, too, because like I said, he, he has dealt a lot with injury over his career. But I think if you if you keep his contact, not to a minimum, but just you're helping him share the load a little bit in that regard, I think it'll go a long way for him and, and for, the, for the whole Steelers' backfield in the long run.
0: And I think one of the guys that stood out in the offseason as an addition to this offense that was going to be like taking it to that next level, finally some – you know, a big name, possibly some consistency with Ben Roethlisberger is Eric Ebron. And I had a lot of high hopes as a fantasy football player for Eric Ebron (laughs) in this Steelers offense. And it started off really, really, really slow. You know, one reception in that first game against the Giants. But then his, his usage started to tick up. And then obviously that unexpected bye week comes. But how do you feel about Eric Ebron through three games in this offense? Obviously in that Texans game scores his first touchdown as a Pittsburgh Steeler, gets five receptions for 52 yards. Do you think Ben is kind of starting to get used to throwing it to Eric Ebron? Because it's been a while since he's had a, a truly consistent tight end in this offense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything you just said was spot on. Uh, Steelers fans really excited about Eric Ebron. I think particularly for that red zone element, right? He had 13 catches with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis when he was healthy and Andrew Luck was healthy. Um, And the Steelers were a team that desperately needed red zone production in 2018. Get this Kyle 2018 Steelers had the best red zone scoring percentage in the NFL last year, 2019 they had the worst. So they went from worst or they went from first to worst, right? Normally you want to go from worst to first. You don't want to go from first to worst. Now, two big factors played into that. Uh, Obviously Ben Roethlisberger only played six quarters of football last season. That's a huge factor into the red zone struggles, Mason Rudolph and, and duck Hodges uh you know twiddle d and twiddle duck as we called them here in pittsburgh oh, uh, they're good. just they're they're, they're they're not you know they're not ben roethlisberger they're not a future hall of fame quarterback you know to, to, not to be too cruel but i mean obviously you know how this works and you lost antonio brown who was just dynamite in the red zone i mean he was so good in the red zone such a threat once you got down there into those short yardage tight field situations so you lose a B. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger only plays six quarters. There's your recipe for going from first to worst in in, in red zone scoring and red zone production. Eric Ebron brought in to kind of uh, help bring that back up, bring that water back above level. And I think maybe the slow start was a little expected, right? Uh, For anybody who's new within a team, within a system, a quarterback trying to get on the same page with his guys. I mean, you've seen a little bit of this with Tom Brady, right, with the Bucs, just with the lack of preseason games, with the lack of OTAs and mini camp and, and even training camp being condensed and changed in its own way. I think maybe we would have been naive not to expect some of these, just taking time from certain guys to get on the same page. Ben and Ebron, Ben coming back from the injury, Ebron in a new system. But I think you started to see that clicking, obviously, uh, with a really nice hookup for the touchdown, uh, against the Texans in week three. I wanted to say last week there, but the Steelers didn't play last <laughs> week in week three. And and I think that's going to continue because they don't have a ton of bodies like him. I mean, Chase Claypool, I think, is, is kind of a similar type, right? But while the Steelers wide receivers are talented, Juju, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, those are smaller, shiftier guys. You know, when you get down near the red zone, you need the Chase Claypools. You need the Eric Ebrons, the guys who can go up and get it. And Ben Roethlisberger loves those type of guys. You know, he, he came to the Steelers young in his career and he had Plexico Burris for a few years. And ever since then, I think Ben has kind of been waiting for a target like Plexico Burris. He had a year or two of Mark Bryant before he kind of went off the deep end. And that's really only ever been the other uh, comparable type. Now, obviously Ben's had great receivers from San Antonio Holmes to Antonio Brown and, and Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders and I mean even Hines Ward when he first came to the Steelers but not many types like an Ebron like a Claypool like a Plexico Burris I think Ben really likes those guys those uh, those guys who can go up and make the combat catches and who have the large catch radius you know the big wingspans and, and all that stuff and so I would expect that that connection that hookup to yeah continue to look better throughout the season as we roll along
0: here What is it about this Pittsburgh Steelers organization where they can just find any wide receiver and turn them into a goddamn superstar? (laughs) It is crazy, right? And
1: I I think a lot of the credit goes to Kevin Colbert, obviously. I mean, he's been in charge of the Steelers scouting and drafting as as the general manager. This is his 20th season with the club. And I mean, I just touched on a bunch of those guys right there. And The craziest part about that, Kyle, is uh, Santonio Holmes was a first rounder. Flexco Burris was a first rounder, but a lot of those other guys, Juju second round pick chase Claypool, second round pick Deontay Johnson, third round pick Antonio Brown, sixth round, uh, Emmanuel Sanders was a fourth or fifth round guy. If I believe so, Mike Wallace was a second round guy, like, uh, aside from, again, San Antonio Holmes, and Plexico Burris, like, they're finding these guys in the second round, in the third round, and the back ends of the draft. I think that's the most impressive part. You, you look around the NFL, and it always seems like people are looking for wide receivers, searching for wide receivers, reaching for wide receivers in the draft a lot of times. Uh, the Steelers, it's it seemingly like they do the opposite, you know? Like, they they just find these guys – you know, it takes them a year or two maybe to, to come up to speed. And then all of a sudden they're capable, you know, they could play on Sunday. I mean, they have four guys, five guys on the roster right now who could who could walk into the lineup of most most starting teams. I think it's funny. There's, you know, a lot of Steelers fans point this out, a dynamic of the Steelers have not drafted defensive backs well at all. <laughs> I, I mean, look at the secondary right now. make Fitzpatrick was acquired via trade. Joe Hayden was signed as a free agent when Cleveland was <laughs> dumb enough to dump him in the Steelers' lap. <laughs> And, and Steven Nelson was signed as a free agent from Kansas city. So it's, there's like the funny dynamic of in the secondary, they can't draft anybody, but at the wide receiver position, I mean, it's, it's like, they're just hitting bullseye after bullseye.
0: Hey, I mean, if if you guys want to send Deontay Johnson or chase Claypool over to the Eagles right now, so we don't have to start, you know, these randoms that pop up out of the ground out of nowhere and somehow turn into, you know, folk (laughs) heroes in Philadelphia, (laughs) Little little uh, Flugel, huh? <laughs> Travis Folk, Greg Ward, you know Deontay Burnett. These these are guys you've never heard of, and yet somehow get beloved in Philadelphia. When you've got guys like Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey that the Eagles front office bank on and can never stay healthy.
1: Well, if it does make you feel better, this entire town over. well, I shouldn't say this entire town, but a lot of people in this town over the last two or three years we it just fell in love with Ryan Switzer and couldn't understand why the Steelers weren't doing more with Ryan Switzer. And, Oh man, come on. They can, I mean, the Julian Edelman comparisons, it was like, Ooh. really, I mean, what, are, what are we doing here? And this was at a time too. I mean, still with AB on the roster and Juju on the roster. And I think Mark Davis, even still here, you've got all this talent and it's like, Hey, why, why aren't they getting the ball to Switzer? He, 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 He's shifty in his slot
0: there. So, yeah, the, the wide receiver evaluations apparently all over the board in Pennsylvania. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it's crazy. Um, But, I mean, you look at at a guy like Juju who last year a lot of people had high expectations for him to take a, a giant leap forward and didn't really do so. And you could obviously put that on the turnstile of quarterbacks that the Steelers had last sure. year. But sure, sure. But it looks like he's bouncing back in a big way, looks really comfortable with Ben. Ben looks comfortable with him. You know, does it look like Juju is, is living up to being that number one wide receiver? Is he going to be a guy that you see the Steelers, you know, extending and keeping him in Pittsburgh for the long haul? Yeah, that's the big question right now. You know, obviously in a contract year um, and the
1: Steelers, too. I mean, this is, you know, they uh, with all the salary cap question marks going forward and does the salary cap flatline a little bit? Uh, maybe does it even potentially go down a little bit? They've got some tough decisions to make this offseason. Bud Dupree is going to be a free agent coming off of his franchise tag. On offense, you've got James Conner, you've got Juju, you've got Matt Filer are all free agents. On the defensive side of the football, Mike Hilton is a free agent. And then you've got T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick a a year away from from needing, needing to be paid as well, too. So a lot of decisions to be made there for the Steelers in that regard. Uh, Juju is maybe the most difficult one, I think, just because in theory, right, in a perfect world, they would love to keep him. But you and I know, right, salary cap leagues, I mean, every sport other than baseball, like you have to make tough decisions in that regard. And it's not just always about how you like a player, or how he fits into your system. Uh, cost considerations come into that, too. If they get a big season this year from Deontay Johnson, and man, it really looks like he's scratching the surface. If James Washington takes another step forward. And if they think Chase Claypool is going to to be, you know, a, a number one, number two type legit starting wide receiver in the National Football League, if you're that confident in in Deontay Johnson and in Chase Claypool and some of the other guys that you have there as well, maybe you just can't justify spending big money on Juju Smith Schuster and, and he ends up walking in free agency. I think if that happens at least for the Steelers, the the positive out of that, right, Kyle, would be that, OK, if Juju does leave and go somewhere else for big money, that means he probably played pretty darn well in these last 13 games of the season. And, and you know, and helped the Steelers have a good year and, 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 and all those things. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting because, again, like I said, a lot of big names on offense and defense that are going to be free agents this upcoming season. And then they're, they're only a year away from staring the Patrick and TJ Watt contracts down as well. How do them wanting to keep Bud Dupree play into all of this? Uh, There's a lot to balance there uh, for Omar Khan, who is like the the Steelers uh, financial cap guy. And again, in the wake of just who knows what's going to happen to the cap with, with all the COVID revenues plummeting across the league. So, Uh, I think the best case scenario obviously right is is that Juju just has a fantastic year and you kind of see where the cards lie when this whole thing's over Uh, but if you're making me guess right now I think it's more likely that they'd probably try and franchise him uh, as opposed to, to giving him a big contract after this season
0: looking at this matchup on Sunday obviously the offensive line issues for both of these teams are ridiculous Uh, the Eagles starting Jordan (laughs) Mailata, who I was, you know, holding on to my seat on Sunday night, worried about how he was going to play, but he actually looked pretty damn good. And I was impressed. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I thought so too. You know, the, the ukulele playing must've, you know, infused into (laughs) his body and he looked great. And I mean, it was a, a huge upgrade over, you know, lame duck, Jason Peters, who I still don't understand why we paid him extra money to go over and just have a toe injury but <laughs> you know it's Jason Peters he runs the organization it was a nice it was a nice hustle by him and his agent oh sure. absolutely uh but you look at the Steelers defense you know they they have been you know uplifted as you know arguably the best defense in the league right now uh how do you see them kind of attacking what the Eagles do on offense and you know just trying to neutralize the two main weapons because the Eagles have zero wide receivers uh in Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz
1: yeah, Mike Tomlin spent a lot of time his Tuesday press conference, Kyle, talking about Zach Ertz. And I think that's going to be a big uh, focus for the Steelers. Uh, they've seen some talented tight ends already this season. Uh, you know, they, they saw Evan Ingram in, in New York with the Giants, who I think is very athletic and talented in his own right. And Noah Fant uh, against the Broncos, who I'm telling you, if you guys haven't had a chance to watch this guy, I mean, he was like he was worth, I was going to say the price of admission. I mean, there is no admission, but you get what I'm saying. No, an was, he was just fantastic against the Steelers. And you know what? It, honestly, there was kind of like some of that, oh man, because he was just running Devin Bush ragged, right? And the Steelers traded up with the Broncos to the 10th overall pick, 18th to 10th. To get Devin Bush, and then the Broncos use the Steelers' pick to draft Noah Fant. So there was kind (laughs) of like the, oh man, we get we went up to get Devin Bush, and they used our pick on Noah Fant. Now he's running Devin Bush ragged. Um, So I I think the Steelers, the big onus for them there is going to be to stop Zach Ertz. They have not been great, Kyle, not this year, and and not over honestly ever since they lost Ryan Shazier, they have not been great uh, at covering big, tall, athletic, dynamic tight ends, and that's obviously what Zach Ertz is. Uh, When I talked to our buddy, John Barchard yesterday, he said the problem has been that teams are just kind of what you alluded to. They're able to key on Ertz too much because there's nobody else that they're afraid of. I wonder how that plays in for the Steelers. And then obviously, yeah, the the pass rush. I mean, TJ Watt and Bud Dupree have just been on a tear. Um, They've had multiple sacks every game between the two of them, forced turnovers, um, if they can, you know, have Carson Wentz running around, obviously that I think is, is a big X factor for the defense as well too. But yeah, for me as I'm looking at it right now, and you know, I, I think that's kind of the the question. Uh, that's what we kind of spent a lot of time yesterday talking about too uh, on the show in Pittsburgh was just okay. If the Eagles win this game, how does that happen, right? Um, and and I think Zach Ertz is is kind of the start on offense. Uh, like I said, Steelers have not had. Uh, much luck this year or in recent history, slowing down tight ends like him. He's very talented. Um, If, if, if the Eagles can, can protect Wentz, if they can get a, you know, uh, not obviously a a shutdown performance of Watt and Dupree and Cam Hayward and company, but if if they can limit those guys, uh, give Wentz time, keep him upright for the most part. And, and Ertz is able to do what he does. uh, I think, I think the Eagles could have some success moving the ball. And then, and obviously uh, some talent in the backfield as well, too. The Steelers haven't been terrible against the run this year on defense. They've hemorrhaged some yards sometimes as well, too, against some talented running backs. Uh, so I do think that is is the recipe for the Eagles uh, against the Steelers' defense and kind of what the Steelers' defense is, is prepping for ahead of Sunday.
0: And now outside of that preseason game two years ago when you first came on the show, the last time <laughs> the Eagles played the Steelers was Carson Wentz's rookie year. Yes, Eagles, it was, you know, one in, in miraculous fashion, 34, oh, to three, uh, kicked the Steelers, butt and just absolutely annihilated the Steelers. Which... Uh, quick,
1: quick, quick, funny side story for you. That was one of the first games when I was working the Eagles broadcast for WIP. And so, you know, like, like I did, obviously leading up to that game, you know, I was, I was talking some trash with and John Barchard and James Seltzer and Jack Fritz, you know, all these, all these good people at WIP and then, yeah, I mean, the Steelers just get massacred by the Eagles. And I just, I mean, for, for like three or four days, just had to hear it from all those <laughs> guys. So, so yes, Kyle, I do remember that performance quite clearly. And, and yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a special day for, for Carson Wentz for sure.
0: And a lot has changed in those four years for Carson Wentz, for Ben Roethlisberger. And those two tend to come up in conversation of comparison of, you know, just play style a ton Um what are your expectations for Carson Wentz looking at him, how he's played over the past couple of seasons, since his big time injuries going up against the Steelers defense? Is this a, a game where, you know, Cam Hayward and those boys are just, you know, foaming at the mouth to get a, get after a Carson Wentz that doesn't look like 2016, 2017 Wentz anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. Carson Wentz, um, I don't think anybody would call him a, a traditional pocket passer. Right. But at the same time, I don't think he's as mobile as he was in 16 and, and and certainly in 17, where he would have won the MVP, if not for the injury at the end of the season. I think you'll be proud of me in this regard, though, Kyle, like a lot of people that I work with, uh, a lot of my co-workers and just a lot of people that cover the Steelers that I'm around a lot. Like I get accused of being a Carson Wentz sympathizer sometimes. All right, and like <laughs> we got we got into a big argument last year on the show. Uh, my co-host is is Arthur Motes. He was a linebacker mm-hmm. for the Bill, the Bills, and the Steelers and the Cardinals. We got into a big argument on the show last year where uh, he was on Dak's side and I was on Wentz's side in terms of who was better. Like I, I've been accused of of being a Wentz sympathizer, and oh, you're just you're stuck in 2017, Wes. He's not that guy anymore. I, for me, Kyle, and obviously I'm not as in tune to it as I was you know, when I was working at WIP and in Philadelphia, um, it, it feels like he has certainly had his struggles, but man, he's just had nothing going his way either. For the last two seasons, the offensive line has been just a revolving door. Uh, all of his wide receivers have been injured. I mean, he's even had some injuries with the tight ends, but with Dallas Goddard and with Ertz as well, too. So, so that's the biggest thing for me. It's tough for me, again, as kind of just an outsider who's not really in it to pinpoint, okay, how much of this is on Wentz and how much is just on everything else happening around him. But I will tell you this from the outsider, you know, from the, the non-Eagles fan perspective, right? Man, I, I think he has the talent there. I think he has the ability there. I know there's been the injuries. I know some things have changed and people point, right, to, oh, well, filippo has been gone and Frank Reich has been gone and looks what, look at what happens, has happened ever since then. I just I still if I was making a list of on their best day who are the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL I have Carson Wentz on that list every single time and I've probably got him closer to five than I do to ten so again I don't know how much that means coming from me the guy that everybody here in Pittsburgh calls the the Carson Wentz sympathist sympathizer but I I, I do I think he has a ton of ability I realize obviously on his end he's got a lot of stuff that he's got to clean up Uh, but I also do think howie roseman and company have have not put him in the best situation either
0: yeah i couldn't agree more i I feel like the front office has failed carson wentz more than they've helped him just with the the lack of weapons the you know constant rotating door of these older veteran wide receivers who can't stay healthy um and then the offensive line is just super old can't protect him and then he's just trying to do too much and i think that's the issue is Wentz feels like he has to do everything when that shouldn't be the case for your franchise quarterback. You should be making everything as simple and as easy going as possible, right. For him to go out there and just sling the rock. Like we know Carson Wentz can do. Uh, and that's what we know Ben Roethlisberger can do. So on the flip side of things, looking at the Eagles defense, their defensive line has been pretty good this season. A lot of, you know, younger guys have stepped up in big ways like Derek Barnett, Josh sweat. And then you've got that interior, uh with Fletcher Cox Malik Jackson and former Steeler Javon Hargrave uh how do you think Ben's gonna fare against this pass rush that uh Jim Schwartz is gonna be sending his way
1: yeah well I'll tell you this Kyle they've they've really and I'm sure this probably won't surprise you through the first three games of the season the Steelers have put an onus on Ben getting rid of the ball quickly right like they do not want him standing in the pocket they do not want him taking hits um And that's part of why, too, they they brought in a guy, Matt Canada, uh, to the offensive staff this offseason. Matt Canada was uh, the offensive coordinator at LSU for a while, offensive coordinator and interim head coach at Maryland for a while. He was at Pitt for a year uh, while James Conner was at Pitt. Um, So a lot of familiarity with the Steelers' system and and, and being around on the the south side of the facilities and and just a guy who has done a lot of innovative stuff on offense across college football. The Steelers have gone from – Uh, One of the teams over the past two years who used the least amount of pre-snap motion and the least amount of play action to now, they're, I believe, top five, at least before their unexpected bye week last weekend. I know they were top five in both of those categories, play action and pre-snap motion across the NFL. I think you see that for Matt Canada. And that was brought, obviously, to innovate the offense, sure, and and to add extra wrinkles and make the Steelers less predictable and, and harder to defend. But I also think part of that, too, was was just keeping Ben Roethlisberger healthy, right? Um, Insulating him, quicker passes, more, more, I guess, predictable reads for Big Ben, if you will, is maybe the simplest way to put it. They've got a lot of options. They've got a lot of, like we talked about with Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington, a lot of shifty athletic guys. And, and I don't want to say it's been like New England Patriots-esque, right, where, I mean, Tom Brady holds the ball for a second and a half and then it's out of his hands uh, to, you know, to Julian Edelman or Chris Hogan or somebody for a seven-yard gain every single time, and you can't stop it even though you know it's coming. But I, I think that's kind of what they want the offense to look more like. There's been a, a little bit more of an onus on the run game. I think Steelers fans would like to see that that run-pass split come down a little bit closer to, to the run. It was high 60s um it's been closer to low 60s uh over the last week or two um so i just think yeah while the eagles certainly have some capable guys it's not 2017 in that regard anymore right but uh man brandon graham fletcher cox javon hargrave obviously who we know so well josh sweat you mentioned Derek barnett a guy from afar that you know he's been an interesting case it feels like maybe he's pulling a bud dupree right and just as everybody was about to give up on him he seems like he's starting to figure it out it's very brandon Uh, graham-esque yeah yeah very brandon graham-esque as well too right like uh, that's the same thing with bud dupree as soon as steelers fans are ready to give up on him now they're crying about the possibility of him leaving for free next year uh, being priced out of the steelers market um I i do think the onus for the Steelers. And again, with some of the concerns on the offensive line as well, too, being a little banged up there, it'll be get the ball out of Ben's Ben's hand quickly, get the ball to Deontay Johnson, get the ball to Juju. And yes, they will. Obviously, they're always going to. They'll take a couple shots downfield with, with Chase Claypool and, and company as well there, too. But I do think the biggest thing through the first three games here has been uh, don't turn the ball over on offense and keep Big Ben upright, and our defense is going to be good enough for us to 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 win every single game if, if we can do those two things on offense, and and I would expect that to continue this Sunday.
0: How disappointed do you think the Steelers organization was that Javon Hargrave left in free agency? Man, I I they were obviously sad to lose them,
1: um, but it. <laughs> I think they were happy to see him get paid at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he was, a, he was a guy who, I mean, he, he sat behind Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt, you know, uh, two guys very talented in their own right guys that have been to pro bowls and, and been selected as all pros, um, the big money contract guys. Right. And, and he stepped in at times when those guys were injured, he played different roles, Kyle. I mean, he, he played one technique. He played three technique. He played five technique. I mean, he lined up over the center. He lined up inside the guards, outside the guards. Uh, whatever the Steelers needed him to do on defense, he was always willing and he was always capable and he always had success. And so, yeah, I think they were sad to lose him because uh, the Steelers do on defense feel really good about their starting 11, you know, and then maybe one or two guys elsewhere. Uh, you alluded to it. You could argue that they're one, they're the best unit in the NFL. Certainly you could make that argument. They don't quite have the depth though. at, at some key positions that I think they've had in the past. Uh, losing Javon Hargrave was a big part of that. Certainly. Um, and, and yeah, I, so again, I think they're happy to see him get paid to see that work pay off for him, but yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt that they would still love to have him on the roster.
0: I think one of the, the saving graces for this Eagles defense to make them more complete than they have been in years past is Darius Slay. He's been absolutely fantastic to start his career in Eagles green. Do you think he gets the juju matchup? Do you see him kind of moving around the field potentially with Deontay Johnson the way that he started his season this year? Who do you think Darius Slay matches up with, and does that kind of switch things around for this this passing offense for the Steelers? Yeah, I so thought
1: Darius Slay was was a great acquisition by the Eagles. Uh, he's a fantastic cornerback, and yeah, it'll be. I'm I'm very interested. That's one of the Maybe the more under-discussed storylines with this, right? A lot of talk about the quarterbacks, a lot of talk about the offensive line, uh, a lot of talk about the <laughs> the wide receivers for the Steelers, and maybe the lack thereof for the Eagles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm very intrigued to see what they do uh, with Darius Slay, right? Because I think we'd probably all agree that that, in you know, I'm I'm doing air quotes here, and I know this is radio, but I'm doing air quotes. Juju is the white the quote-unquote number one wide receiver. But I don't think the Steelers necessarily look at it like they Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington. You add in the tight ends with Ebron and McDonald. Right. Like it's not an Antonio Brown style system where they're trying to make sure they're getting the ball to this guy. And this is clearly the number one guy. So how does that look with Darius Slay? Does he follow juju all game? Do they maybe switch it up? And whoever, you know, early on, whoever the Steelers are getting the most production out of, that's where Darius Slay goes. Um, does he end up staying on one side of the field maybe? And whether it's Deontay or Juju, they they pair him there. I don't know about that. He seems like more of a just a man-up guy who wants to stay on one guy and shut him down throughout the game. Uh, maybe the Steelers are willing to do that in a way too. Maybe that's a sacrifice too, Kyle, that they're willing to make where they say, okay, if we can get Slay on Juju every single play, yeah, Juju might have a quiet game. But, man, look what we're going to be able to do with Chase Claypool and with Deontay Johnson and Wright and, and Eric Ebron. Maybe that's something that's in the cards for the Steelers as well, too. I am interested to see how Darius Slay is deployed because Steelers have a lot of talented wide receivers and weapons, but I don't know if you'd single out one, right, and say, okay, this is definitely the guy we want to take away.
0: Couldn't agree more. I'm very intrigued to see what Jim Schwartz does with this secondary and how he kind of moves these guys around, especially since Avante Maddox looks like he's going to miss this game as well with the injury he's dealing with. So last week we saw Jalen Mills move down to corner. And, uh, you know, who knows if that's the same game plan they go with there, another physical kind of corner there. Um, And I think the other interesting aspect of this game is the Eagles linebackers, unlike the Steelers, are absolutely putrid. They have no (laughs) linebacker play, arguably the worst linebacking core in the league. And that's why I think my X factor in this game for the Steelers offense is going to be Eric Ebron, because if you can get the ball to him underneath, he's going to be able to torch the middle of the field you know, just like George Kittle did last Sunday, uh, putting up 183 yards. I don't think Ebron will be able to put up that much because he's not Kittle. But I, I think Ebron could be in for a potential hundred-yard game in this one, just because Nate Gary is terrible and the Eagles' best linebacker, in my opinion, T.J. Edwards, just went on IR today. Um, it's it's gonna be rough in the middle of the field, and I think if the The Steelers can game plan that middle of the field and and use it to the the best of their abilities. That's where this game gets won.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a great call by you, and I think you saw a little bit of that uh, against the Texans, right uh, in Week Three, where Eberron started to break out. Uh, the Texans, as well, too, don't have you know the the greatest of off ball linebackers. And I, I do think maybe that alludes to like we were talking about, too, with the, just the game plan in general, the idea, particularly early on in the season of keeping Ben upright, getting the ball out of his hand quick. Maybe that does. You know what, Kyle? I, if you're playing daily fantasy football, I mean, listen to this guy, folks. Yeah, I, I think that's a great call by you. And I, I don't know how much this has been talked about in Philly, but. The Steelers really have. I mean, they've got a great thing going on with the the balance, the dynamic of Vance McDonald and Eric Ebron. I mean, because Vance McDonald has just been punishing people in the run game. He's been like an extra offensive lineman for the Steelers. He's been a huge part of why the Steelers, through three games, have had a hundred-yard rusher in all three games. Uh, But he's capable catching the ball, obviously, as well, too. I mean, everybody saw that, right? The the stiff arm to hell against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Vance McDonald had (laughs) on Monday Night Football a few years ago. Um, so they almost like Eric Ebron becomes, uh, like the lightning, right? And Vance McDonald is the thunder and Vance McDonald's just the punishing guy. And you're worried about Ebron beating you, but then all of a sudden Vance McDonald leaks out and he's wide open for a 17 yard gain, you know, down the field. They do have a really good thing going with those tight ends. And, uh, when you talk about it from the Eagles linebacker perspective, yeah, that, that might be where the Steelers are, are looking, uh, to, to make their bread and butter, uh, on Sunday afternoon
0: if you had to pick one player from the Eagles to kind of be the X factor where I just, you know, Ebron is my guy who I think is going to determine, you know, how this game kind of ends up. If you had to pick somebody from the Eagles to change the course of the game and potentially give the Eagles their second win of the season, who would you go with?
1: I think Zach Ertz would be the low hanging fruit answer, right? So, uh, man, what about Miles Sanders? Uh, this is, this is a guy that it's just, uh, I, I sung his praises all off season. Um, I, I thought he was really due for a breakout year this week. I know he's, he's had some, some injury stuff uh, leading into the year, but uh, like I said, the Steelers, it wouldn't be fair to say Kyle, that they've been gashed on the ground because I mean, that, that would be, that would be, you know, I'd be lying to you there. That'd be an over-exaggeration. That'd be a little, little hyperbolic, right? Um, but they they have not been as stout against the run as they were last year. Uh, Melvin Gordon had some success against them. Uh, a couple different running backs um, from the Texans had some success against them. Now, Saquon, not as much week one. They were very good there.
0: Did you know Miles um, Sanders backed up Saquon Barkley at Penn State?
1: But, uh, you know, no, I never heard that, actually. Fun and, fact. and I don't know. I don't know if you've heard this thing here, Kyle, but you know, we're pretty big on high school football here in Western Pennsylvania. So I don't know if you knew this either, but Miles Sanders is a Pittsburgh guy. Okay. He went to Woody Hills. All right. I mean, he was a big star at Woody Hills. At here, one of the Whipple, one of the Whipple factories. I mean, same high school as uh, Rob Gronkowski, same high school as Ryan Mundy, a lot of different NFL players to come out of Woodland Hills. Uh, what if Miles Sanders comes back to his hometown and, and goes off? I think, like I said, Ertz is is the obvious. That's just the easy answer. So I I think Miles Sanders has been flying. Miles Sanders has been flying under the radar early this season. He's very talented. He's back in his hometown. I'm sure he wants to put on a show. If he has a 110, 120, 130 yard rushing performance, that would wear down the Steelers defense. I think that would negate some of their really talented pass rush, and that would keep the Steelers offense right. If the Eagles were able to run the ball successfully, keep the Steelers offense off the field. Uh, I think. If, if the Eagles can get that run game going, I, I think that's one of the ways that uh, that they could win this game.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's always a blast talking with you. Uh, Wes, you're the absolute man. I know you got another Philadelphia podcast to do with our boy John <laughs> Barton and the Water Boys. I'm making the rounds, baby. Uh, But let everybody know where they can check you out on social media, where they can listen to you talk about this Pittsburgh Steelers team, because you're absolutely rocking it right now.
1: Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate the kind words and and I love seeing everything you guys have been doing uh, at Underground Sports over there, kicking some booty as well. Uh, Just on Twitter, real simply at Wesley Euler. Um, And then I I do two different shows. So I do a show uh, noon to two every day on Steelers Nation radio. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, I do two to seven on ESPN Pittsburgh. Um, Both of those you can get, you know, uh, on your, on your iHeartRadio app, on iHeart.com, uh, on 970 AM, 106.3 FM, if you're in the Pittsburgh area. Um, and, yeah, man, <laughs> hopefully, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll be getting some other sports back here, too. And, you know, we can get Flyers and Penguins and maybe some Pirates and Phillies at some point. And I am bummed because I felt like, you know, I, my wife is, is, is from the Philadelphia area. You know, that's what kind of brought me out there for work in the first place. Uh, she grew up in South Jersey. Uh, you know, just just right across the bridge there from Philadelphia. Um, So her whole family is huge Eagles fans, season ticket holders, and they were all planning on coming out here. I know uh, the Green Legion or whatever it is that you guys have out there was planning one of those big trips. I think a lot of WIP people were planning on coming out here before kind of all this pandemic stuff took over the world. So I I am bummed that it it doesn't feel the the hype maybe not as much with you know with with a lot of the midnight green coming across the turnpike and and just the the banter between the two fan bases uh, but i'm excited for this game man and uh, i'm always always happy always uh glad to to catch up with my Philly buddies you're you're good people out there on the the east side of the state you know even though uh you know we may not like each other on on the hockey on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on <laughs> even though we don't like each other on the ice very much you hey, know you, you uh, guys I, got, i'm always you guys got John Gruden now that's right how funny was that <laughs> i tell you what
0: yeah the penguins
1: acquire a prospect named john gruden if he ever makes it to the to the big leagues that there'll be a lot of fun jokes to be had there you guys are gonna be uh, running spider
0: wide two banana on the ice
1: <laughs> exactly we'll be having quarterback <laughs> camp every single day baby uh but yeah thanks for having me man always a blast chatting with you uh keep crushing it and uh and yeah always always a pleasure to catch up with my Philly buddies.
0: Well, there you have it, Eagles fans. It's going to be one hell of a game on Sunday afternoon in Pittsburgh. You know, that Steelers defense, it's legit. It's too legit, man. I I don't know. Looking at the matchup, breaking it all down, seeing how these two teams match up against one another, the Steelers defense terrifies me. Eric Ebron is going to be... If Ebron doesn't have a big game in this one, I'll be stunned. Let's put it that way. Um, You're going to need big-time players to make big-time plays. Play it simple. I mean, you know, Carson's going to have to play uh, a damn near flawless game in this one, I think, if the Eagles want to have a chance to win. um and he's going to have to put the team on his back, and that kind of scares me right now. You're going to need this defense to step up, be in the face of Ben Roethlisberger, give him hell all afternoon. You have to force Roethlisberger to make mistakes, force him into uncomfortable situations where he, he's he got pressure in his face all afternoon. Hopefully the Eagles are... Uh, are ready to step up to that task and, and you know, make sure all of that goes down. Who knows if they will or not, but we have you covered for this entire game and all season long. So make sure you're checking us out on social media at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. We've got content pumping out each, each and every day, each and every minute, uh, at PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Who knows? Maybe some more jersey giveaways in the very near future, thanks to our awesome sponsors. And uh, if you're not reading Underground Sports Philadelphia, what are you doing? UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com is the website. We've got you covered with all of our written content there. And then make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast. Hit up Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Let me know how you're feeling about this game, what you think is going to go down, if the birds are going to pull out a win on the road, an upset win. Five-star ratings and reviews only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know those standards are five stars. You can check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, SoundCloud, Wherever you get your podcast, we are there. Again, big shout-out to my good friend, my buddy, Wes Euler, for hopping on the show. It's an absolute blast to catch up with Wes. And uh, any opportunity I get the chance to, that will go down. So big shout-out to him for taking time out of his busy schedule to hop on the show. And uh, we'll catch you guys right back here again next week for another episode of Eagles Enemies as the Birds host Lamar Jackson. And the Baltimore Ravens, in what should be quite the interesting matchup. This has been Season 3, Episode 5 of Eagles' Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kyle Bennett. And as we always say, go, birds.